alarms. Mm -hmm. What what kind of alarm? You mean like the morning alarm? You have to get up alarm. Yes. Not, there's well, a fire in the building alarm. Yes. Well, my question is going to be: Do you like subtle or noisy alarms? And I, I would say even I prefer a noisy fire alarm. I really want that. We that, agree that on that. Awakening there we is, do, is fine. in fact, agree on that but, one. But what about the sort of the, the general morning wake up alarm? I have like a little chimey sound that slowly ramps up over time when I wake up, and I feel blissful. So, and so I'm going to play to you my alarm sound. Are you, you ready? All right, ready. Uh, So I found like the first couple of like mornings I used that alarm sound, uh, you know, which one of the official Android ones. I, I, I was like, yeah. oh, oh, it's morning, is it? Well, this is uh, a good time to start my day. And then I got trained to it, and like the start of it would start like waking me up a bit more yeah. suddenly. And then, now, because this is England, <laughs> it sometimes actually rains. Oh, I did not see that coming. And I did not think of that. And this is it. Two o'clock in the morning, big rain, and I jump up bed. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the time, like what is what is going on? And that was like you say, just all of the adrenaline. And I'm like, I gotta get on a train <laughs> with a wet seat and go to work. And you know, I remember that when Inception came out, which is a, a movie about you know, sleep amongst other things. Yeah. Yes. They have the the Edit Piaf song. That they use as a signal that the 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 wake up is going to happen. That is true. And that movie, like I found it amazing when it came out, and so my choice was to use that particular song as my wake up song. Do not recommend. It creeps you out <laughs> <laughs> because when you thought about that film as much as I did, and you wake up from that song, you start questioning if you actually woke up. I mean, um, we have officially announced the Polymer Summit. It's happening. I found it really interesting because we announced it. Registration will be happening at some point in the future. Right. And that's all we said for a while. And I didn't understand because people were asking, like, when, when is registration open? What is the agenda? And it's right. like, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. But now I know that I'm actually going to go. I'm actually going to be speaking, which I'm really excited about. What, what are you speaking on? I'm going to do. Life coding. Because the first life, life coding, coding, the life yeah. supercharged life code we ever did was last year at Polymer Summit with an actual live audience, and it was the most amazing thing. And I thought I would do it again. And even though don't blow your own trumpet, though, like that's that's okay. No, I, I gave a talk. It, it was actually the most amazing thing like, I, in the world ever. Like yes. people who cure diseases, mm, not they're okay. But my life coding is the best. It changed everything. <laughs> I'm always like the experience for me was actually. It was super fun, so I just wanted to do it again. Even though the bald man is missing, yeah. I'm actually going to get this time, I'm going to do it with Monica, which I think is even better. Yes, uh, that would be and great. And so I'm really looking forward to, to Copenhagen. And she's no stranger to live coding either. I've seen her do it before. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. She, she's a little bit nervous, she said, but I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Well, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, it's like cutting, right? It always works. Yeah. It always works. I mean, because we, well, we did Supercharged recently. Oh, yeah, you were on it. It was terrible. I don't really? know how you did. I, I, well, you know, as 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 I'm sure you're very much aware, like I hit a bug. Yes, you a did. Bug. And I unheard of. You I, bugs. I know. <laughs> this is going to destroy my personal brand because you know everyone, of course, thinks I'm perfect. <laughs> no, but like as soon as I I fixed the bug in like 15, 30 seconds, not long. 
but it kind of set off this weird panic attack in me that I thought, like, what if I get another bug? What if I don't fix this next one? And yes. I was just, like, sweating, thinking about this. And then I was worrying about sweating. And just it's just like, the spiral. It just mad spiral. I remember. So how do you do this live on stage? It's I don't. I, it, it's just you just learn to trust yourself and have some <laughs> and have confidence. And like if it goes wrong, it is just part of the experience. Because it turns out that people actually enjoy when things go wrong and see you how you actually try to analyze it. Hmm. I remember that the f I think the first time I did my supercharged where I was actually coding, I had a bug that I couldn't fix because I wanted to use HTTP two. And it just wasn't working. Later, it turned out that on the laptop we were using for the live stream, there was Note 4, while on my laptop, I had Note 5. School so the one error. thing School I didn't check. Error. And um, I just continued with HTTP 1. And well, that's, that was fine. You've got a, there is but, an acceptable But it took me like a good yeah. 10 minutes to, to you know, wave the white flag. Like, OK, we're just going to use HTTP 1 and be fine with it. I, I wouldn't but cope. I would just actually, I would wait, I would surf out of the room on a wave of my own sweat. <laughs> be never seen on video. You already again. did that pretty much on the last. Yes, it's true. You actually went, and I found impressive, through three water bottles yes. during the live stream. Yes, and I was outputting it as fast as <laughs> I was inputting it. <laughs> right. Okay. What else are we talking about? <gasps> Service worker. I know. I know. I know. In Safari, I know, right? Is it like it's? I mean, not in Safari, but I think you'll find actually. Oh, here we go. I think you'll find Mr. that Peden. service worker in Navigator. It's true in WebKit. If, in WebKit Nightly, if you've enabled which is not Safari. It's kind of Safari. Yeah, it's what Safari <laughs> it's sort of. Look, don't rain on my parade. I'm really happy about this, dude. So my it's, it's it's about time. It's like it's so good to see that's finally officially under development. Even though yeah. I thought it was hilarious, it went from. No signals to under consideration for one day or something, and then. Oh no! It was it was under consideration for a long time. Yeah. That was. That oh, was I thought there. they just changed it, um, and then when well, they started like, asking questions, and then it went straight to in development. Well, it, for as long as they've been attending the meetings, it's it's been under consideration. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, um, okay. Well, one of the engineers pointed out, as far as engineers, that like no one had actually filed a bug on WebKit um, to say implement service workers, please, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll do that then. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is something that I can do as part of my job, and at the you know, and now the you end can claim I filed the official bug to implement Service Worker in Safari. And the great thing is, like some of the like uh, news organizations, that the tech news organizations that picked this up, have have actually put on there, um, you know, triggered by uh, Google employee Jake Archibald filing the bug. And I'm like, yeah, if, if you think about it, is it is actually all not none of the people who are implementing it. It's all down to me that one bug I filed. I I love these kind of phenomenons where you do something, you know, for fun on the side just because you you know you think it should be done, and then it blows up into something big. Because just recently, you actually have written a little Formula One starting simulator. Uh, the world's most popular web app for <laughs> pretty much at this point. A day. So uh, it, just to, for the users who don't know, right. well, how would you summarize it? Because I actually don't know much about Formula One. So. OK, so um, at, at our race, uh, one of the drivers was accused of jumping the start, because they, they got away from the start in 0.2 seconds. Like they, they, they were moving 0.2 seconds after the lights went out. OK. Um, so the start is you have like three red lights. Five red lights. See, I, I just don't know what I'm there talking about. There are five about. lights. That's <laughs> the rule. Um, and then, yeah, so the, the lights all come on one second after the other. And then after a sort of random delay, they yeah. go out. And then that's when all the, the Once they know, go out, you're allowed to off you go. Right. Yeah, OK. Mm -hmm. He got accused of jumping the start. Uh, well, they, they called it predicting the start, 
because uh, the idea was that he'd actually jump the start, but just luck would have it. The lights went out at the same time. But isn't it legal? Like, if you start after the lights went out, no matter how you achieve that... Well, I mean, I mean technically in the rules, they say if it's, if it's less than human reaction time, no, it counts oh, as a jump start. Oh, in the rules. Yeah, it is actually in the rules. OK. So, but then people were uh, online, and they were using their phones, like, uh, stopwatch yeah. to, to play a game of, like, how close to five seconds can you stop the stopwatch? And I was like, well, this is... Yeah, the random bit is missing the there, The random right? bit is missing there. And that's not, not, not the same. And I thought, I, you know, I, you thought I could just about I, code this. <laughs> this is I in could my really power. use a side project to procrastinate the work I should actually be doing. Yes, I, I looked at uh, <laughs> making some changes to the fetch spec, which is what I sh should have been doing. And I thought, oh, I could start a new project and <laughs> do something else. Uh, so I thought, yeah, OK, I'll do that. Tap, 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 tap uh, in an hour. Because it's, it's just one button, right? It's, it's one button to start <laughs> and then one button to stop, and that's it. Um, and then it gives you your, your time afterwards. And I thought, oh, there you go. And I, I tweeted it. Um, As you're known to do. Yeah, tweet, I tweeted it at the people who were playing this, this like the stopwatch, the game. stopwatch yeah, game. Okay. And then it was like an hour and a half later, it was being tweeted by like Formula One world champions. And that's the amazing bit. And, and then like a day later, there, there were this video online of, of lots of F1 drivers playing it. And, and one of the bits that, because I am yeah, an F1 fan, and, and one of the bits that really blew my mind and really made me smile is the phone is passed to one of the guys, like, we, we, want, we want to see what your time mm. is on this game. And he looked at the game and, oh, it's the famous one. And I was like, <gasps> the, famous? <laughs> the famous In the matter one? of a day. <laughs> in like, yeah. For something you didn't even put effort in. I was actually a little bit, like, you know this feeling of being annoyed and jealous? Of like, I could have done that. It's like, <clears throat> but but it's, it's also part of that. And, and we've spoken about this before. Is like, I, I feel like a lot of what we do, and I'm sure a lot of people will associate with this, uh, sometimes there's this inverse uh, effort to attainment ratio yes. where the more effort you put into something, the less successful or people don't seem to care or whatever. And then sometimes you're just like, yeah, whatever, here's a thing. And like, whoa, it's got loads of hits. I reached peak that. <laughs> like my, an my, hour. my peak so far with that ratio was Tinder for Bananas. Yes. Over Christmas, I just need a reason to like withdraw from my family and just, <laughs> just, just distract myself. And we were talking about the single bananas in the store and how they you know, are left behind. Nobody buys the single banana. And I thought they, they should have a Tinder. So I built Tinder for Bananas as an experiment to show like touch interactions and like smooth animations just at the thing. And that has so far been the most popular project I ever did. And it, and it actually turned into like work-related yeah. contacts where the people from Tinder actually asked me to review their app if the touch interactions are done right. Oh, really? And that's, that's amazing. And that's something that I just that's just amazing when the procrastination you do actually turns into something valuable. And I think that that's a sort of a real benefit of the web, right? Like, yeah. Uh, both that and, and the F1 thing, to make that a native app, say, yeah. you would have to go through the, the store, right? And you would have to wait for the authorization. Like you, you would miss the, the whole news story about yeah. the, the, you know, the If you had any momentum, thing, so. you lose it with that kind of publishing cycle. And in this way, it was just like, Thing. Yep. Yep. So I think now we can we can stop using Air Horner. We now better <laughs> we have more sick of Air Horner. I know. I right? hate I hate Air Horner because the main reason I I hate it is I saw Paul building Air Horner and I looked at it and went, that's stupid. Don't don't do that. Yes. And he's like, oh no, mate. There's loads there's loads of apps that do this. Like, look, there's loads of native apps. You press a thing and it makes a sound. And, and I was like, just but we don't. I just don't do it. And, and now I see it everywhere and it's like talked it's, about as the canonical PWA. 
And he always keeps talking about like adding new sounds or something, and it never happens. No. It just he, the, the only thing he added recently, I think, is that it now horns if you with a with a brightness sensor. If it gets dark, it horns. Does that? <laughs> <laughs> Why does it do that? Because he wanted to play around. I think. Every new API, he tries to find a use case for air horn and just really? builds it in there. So now, if you like cover your phone screen, it horns. Oh, right. OK. Great. A plus. It's a plus. So, so, so if you put the phone to your ear, it would if the app is open. I, I think so. The worst feature ever. Excellent. It's yeah. It's not not good. You were at the CSS working group recently. I was in Paris. Which is a city I've actually never been before. And also, and that is probably the most interesting bit for me, it was the first time that I was not jet lagged for a CSS working group meeting. <laughs> yeah, you can't get out, out of a jet lag. You can't claim jet lag after one hour. No, of definitely travel, not. So, so. So, so the CSS working group is probably one of the bigger and older groups, I'd say. It's been around for a long time and has loads of responsibilities. And CSS itself is already big. And so lots of people are in there. And so the meetings happen. I want to say like three or four times a year. I don't even know. But they always happen all over the world. Like Usually, it's like Sydney and Mountain View and Tokyo. So whenever I go to one of these meetings for Houdini and other stuff, I just end up being jet lagged because it is yeah. totally out of my time zone. And this was the first time it was on mainland Europe, which is one hour of time difference and therefore very easy to deal with. And so for the first time, I could sit through a meeting and actually pay attention. Oh, excellent. And I was so what happened then? If you paid attention, come on, <laughs> recite it. Well, the I guess the most challenging bit was in the on the Houdini day we worked through um, the new design for animation workload, which is seems to be very well received. So we finally should be on a path where not many changes are gonna happen, and it's we can start like finally implementing. So this is the thing where you can you can run JavaScript essentially on the compositor thread Pretty to much. do like scrolling it's just animations. The yeah, the API has been aligned. Like, it looks similar to web animations now, but, oh, you, cool. but you can basically define your own effects. So you can chain things like this should move off screen. They can tie to input events and scroll events, which I think is the most interesting bit that you can, instead of making an animation time dependent, you can make it scroll position dependent. Right, and we see this in native apps all the time. Like uh, yeah. you did a demo of like the avatar sort of getting smaller and then exactly. sticking to these the kind of things, page. which are kind of possible on the web right now. You listen to the scroll event. Oh, that's terrible on mobile. Exactly, especially yeah. because the scroll event is like dispatched asynchronously, so the data that you get is out of date, and you don't get one every frame, so the animation won't look smooth. And this is the kind of problem this addresses to finally bring all this this level of polish that native apps have to the web. And the other thing we talked about a lot was um, the design of custom layout, which is just a beast of an API. D thinking about all of the all of the different layout systems that CSS has and the different order that they can be invoked and the dependency stuff, it, that's one of the things that I find tr I find really difficult reading the CSS spec. Is kind of like, well, if these two layout systems are kind of happening at the same time, what order do they happen in it? Yeah, I, I, I find there it is, difficult to find. It is. That. It is. It is. I want to say obviously, but in CSS it really is not obvious. But it is very f clearly specified in which order they should be executed and okay. how they should interact with each other. But it's super hard to find in the spec, and yeah. it's super hard to understand because there's so many, so much specific terminology that you have to then click and read up on first before actually understanding the algorithm. Mm. That is just now that I've been in the CSS working group for almost one and a half years, I feel like I'm slowly grasping. Um, how to do how a layout works, and I'm actually mm. working on a blog post where I kind of want to build my own little layout engine with like TypeScript, so people can 
Can you really? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Well, you know, it's like it's another procrastination bit. No, well, like, it's well, I've heard the saying of like, you know, don't reinvent the wheel unless you want to learn a lot about wheels. And I guess yeah, that's that's exactly that is what you're doing. the point because I I you, you hear about these weird CSS behaviors like margin collapsing and um, floats, and people use them and they kind of fiddle around until it works. At least that's what I do. Mm. Like, especially with floats, I never really understood what floats do. Text goes around them, kind of. Text goes around that's, them. That's pretty much That's what it. the spec says, I think. Yeah. CSS floats, stage <laughs> and, free. And now, just I, uh, in Paris, I sat down with one of the members, one of our Googlers, the engineers on layout, and asked him. And he drew some diagrams. And it's absolutely convoluted. But now I, f I think I understand it. And I Write a blog post. Exactly. Tell I, the rest I, I, of I us. I want to bring this knowledge out to the world so that people can be a little more understanding of what is happening and why sometimes things end up in a bottom right corner instead of centered what they wanted to achieve in the first place. Now, on the previous uh, episode of, of this podcast, um, I said, hey, like one of the things that really bugs me about like the Shadow DOM is the inability of sort of making it easy to style things inside. Like you can use custom properties, but that's you know you have to create loads of those for different properties. What would really be nice is if there was a way to target a particular element in the Shadow DOM and expose that. And from the, the notes of the CSS working group, it looks like uh, one of those things was proposed. So like the, the part uh, pseudo. I like how you made that, that sound as if you read the notes. Well, it <laughs> <laughs> right. well, so what I want to know from you is it was was it was it all was it all me? Did I? No. So one thing that really excited me, I mean, I say excited. It's both with happiness and sadness, is the announcement from Adobe that by 2020, Flash will officially be retired. Yes, no longer it's like shipping the player. It won't be in any browsers. It's Bye-bye Flash. I know, right? I mean, for me, it's like mostly childhood memories where like all the Flash games were a big thing. And, like, well, did you do any Flash development then? Is that, is that <sighs> I would like to say yes, but I think I would be really, really overstating what I did. Like, I had Flash, and I did things. <laughs> and before I got tired of Flash, I did like my first little game where I had like a little bit of action script code, like mm. basically um, like we had you can throw snowballs at snowboarders that drive by. That was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. But what I mostly did was copy and paste code from other things to implement like loading screens because I was fascinated by loading screens. Everyone has a good loading screen. So I I actually uploaded as in a kind of memory of Flash. I uploaded because I I was a Flash developer. I uploaded the uh, the intro to my CV uh, website from. So just, so you had your CV online as a Flash video. I I had it. It was a whole Flash site. Uh, it loaded wow. its data um, from XML, of course, because that's how. That was the thing. That was the thing uh, from MySQL uh, using <laughs> PHP as a backend. Look, this was ten years ago, <laughs> and that's all the hype back then. I, and but I did, I did have a, an HTML version of the whole site as well, uh, sort of feeding off the same backend and using some of the same assets. So like the the, the, yeah. the the 90s version of progressive yeah. enhancement. But the intro was definitely Flash only, and it had rock music in it because because I. You know, especially as a as a student, I you were a badass developer. Yeah, and I wanted everyone to know this is the music. I, this is who I am. <laughs> this is the music I like. So you could, it, and and it would like, I will attach a, a link to it. But it's like it, there was big rock music, and there was lots of sort of shapes moving around, and sort of all list of all of the things that I consider myself to be expert in. I think I watch it. And I, the the thing I enjoyed is that you listed ASP 
<laughs> which I assume, so either you actually did ASP and you just stopped doing it for for reasons, or you just listed it because you knew you were capable of doing the most basic things. In I life. did a whole, my year's internship was working on an intranet, which was ASP free based. I had an so internship in Huawei, I did right. ASP, and I never touched it again. No, nope, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but empty. it goes onto the CV, because goes, that's yeah. how we roll. Well, at that stage of my career, I was desperate for any experience. I did the so. same thing. Like I claimed, I I do I, I would know everything about databases in general. Yep, I even though the one. only thing I did is like using the I think it was called PHP my admin yes. interface to MySQL, MySQL and that's and that's all I did. I, yeah, and I, I think at that stage you you don't know enough to know you what don't you know do? a lot. Yeah, right. And and that was it's like Dunning Kruger effect back then. Exa right? Exactly, exactly. But that the whole design uh, that a lot of Flash stuff had, where it was like. Make it look really complicated, like have shapes flying around and moving into place. I, and I still kind of do. I love that design aesthetic, and I know it's, I know it's bad because you don't want to make things look more complicated than they are. But, but I, I was obsessed with that sort of like, oh look, everything's like piecing together, like cogs, and it has some fake computer types. I mean, there's a very nice metaphor in there somewhere. It's just <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, but thinking about the things that Flash brought us, I think it had a huge impact on. Setting a bar, what sh what needs to be possible on the web. So and it took us actually way too long to get there. I think. Absolutely, uh, and even one of the most basic things was um, if you if you brought a PNG into Flash, yeah, it would work. Like you know, even with an alpha channel, yeah, like, fine. But then if you exported it, like you would drop in like a you know 120k PNG, yeah, and you would get this like 30k Swift out of the other end. That's magic. Magic. Like, what it was doing is it was uh, encoding the PNG as a JPEG, it but then taking the alpha channel out and keeping that as a PNG and reapplying mm. it. So it was doing sort of lossy with an alpha channel. Because I remember you could you could control the quality when you export it from Flash, yeah. and you would get the yeah. typical JPEG blockified artifacts. Yeah, it was JPEG. So yeah, I didn't know that. I actually, I didn't know that until now, but now it explains everything. But, but if you think about it, like we are still struggling with that on the web today. <laughs> Pretty much. Like we've got WebP. Yeah. But like not all browsers have it. Sadly not. Um, I, I think there's a few alternate formats that have that sort of lossy of an alpha channel. But it's incredible to think of like the very first versions of Flash had that, and, yeah. and we are still st we are still stuck. Um, thinking about other things, oh, like video, right? Video yeah. on the web. It took Opera like many years later to kind of actually kind of go right. And we we actually and it was the only platform that did like anything with DRM in the day, which allowed big companies to bring their content to the web in at least one shape, for better or worse. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. It, it's it's a hot topic, but it's just like things that need to be addressed because you relied on a plugin, and this plugin, even though it did great work, was also occasionally known for being not very safe. Right. And you could run things on your computer that wasn't supposed to be running on your computer. Oh, and yeah. I, I love the, the old ActiveX stuff. I remember that there, there was one released where you, you could create a media player in ActiveX. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, which you would use to play media. But it also had a, uh, you could also iterate over every, the CD drives on the computer. And one of the functions you could call was eject. <laughs> so, so, and it's just like, you know, since I've found this out, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Typey, type, type, send it to a friend and uh, watch them across the office. And they open the thing <laughs> like, <laughs> You say enumerate CD drives, immediately I picture like a good old tower with like 16 <laughs> CD drives. <laughs> just the oldest just like that. <laughs> like a older. But the things with dynamic video, like that we, we only kind of fairly recently have with sure. uh, extended 
media, media extensions. source. Encrypted media extensions? No, it's not the encrypted one. It's mm. the media source extensions. And yes. That's, yeah, and that's where See, Paul would know that, because he wrote the media he, app. He did. Oh, we but should then get again, that guy back. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. Shouldn't. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, no. no. But, but the same with like web audio. Like the, That came way much later than, than Flash gave us it. Um, and I mean, even now, we're at a point where web animations are still not widely supported or cover yeah. all the use cases. And that was like the basic feature of Flash. Well, to be fair, I still think in Flash, people were, for doing actual animations, people were very reliant on GreenSock. Like, I don't think that, like, in the IDE, you could do your animations. But yeah. if you were animating by code, uh, oh, it's like, time, time to get GreenSock out. That's the, I guess, yeah. Uh, there wasn't like a web animation type, type of thing. Um, but I mean, it would be great if part of the, I mean, GreenSock is still a library and it's super good. It mm. would be great if you could just remove a chunk of their code and have oh, yeah. it on the platform as it oh, is, yeah, absolutely. pretty much specified as web animations, web animations, just that browsers don't have it fully implemented. And yeah. so they have to like reinvent the wheel and make sure like no rasterizations happen and all these things. And I'm hoping that this deprecation will actually, all these things that we talked about will like push them forward quicker yeah. than they've been moving so far. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember when IE9 came out and like SVG became like a thing. A, a thing that we now had across browsers. Yeah, and then the the war started. Like developers were sort of like, you know, you know SVG is it's the answer to all of our problems. And then another camp were like, no, boo, SVG is bad. Canvas is the way forward. <laughs> and I remember sort of like um, me as a Flash developer and sort of seeing other Flash developers say the same thing. We're like, mm. well, the answer is both, right? And yeah. And and it was yeah coming from a flash background I was like well yeah you, you use the vector stuff for vector stuff and like DOM based yeah. things for when you need the interaction but if you just want to draw something and then or even like you know you might want to draw something in vector and turn it into a bitmap you might want to take a, a bitmap and make it the background to a vector shape and yeah and F flash really was doing I this like ten years the ago thing. It, there's a tendency in the entire community to to take a tool and make it the tool for everything. Mm. Even though you kind of want to use different tools for different purposes, and it's just it's it's I think we're getting better at this, but there's still tends to be like I want to learn one thing, and it should you know cover everything, so I only have to learn this one thing, yeah. and not bother around the ever evolving ecosystem. And I don't think the web is a good place for that mentality, honestly. Well, I, uh, yeah, and I, f I think one of the one of the things that we need from Flash that we we don't have right mm. now is a good IDE for doing sure. those kind of animations. And I know Adobe have are working on it, or were working on it. I can't, I, I can't remember which projects they still have on the go. But it, it feels like we're losing a sort of a big group of um, people who don't want to write code but are able to make yeah. amazing animations that sort of, sort of lost from the platform, or, or they've had to go to something like uh, After Effects or something. Yeah. And, and now you know, the developer will have to recreate all of that sort of in the web. So I hope we get there with something like that. So. I feel like this deprecation is, especially for big companies, to invest Forcing them to invest really into like replacing the Flash tool that they had with something that is native to the web, and then yeah. hopefully the entire ecosystem will benefit. And because it's open, it means it's not controlled by one company. Uh, yeah. It's and, and which I think is a real uh, yeah. It's a definite reason we need to move on from from Flash, although it kind of feels like native is the new Flash, right? It's <laughs> it's got all it's got all of the same problems, right? Controlled by one company. Uh, yeah, a little you know, bit. Like you know. Poor streaming, whatever that sort of thing. But uh, you know, at least now we have a lot of this stuff on the web, and we can we can do it in a sort of open environment, lots of different browser implementations, uh, yeah. and not one company controlling everything. I'm just saying a little bit away from from having a strong opinion on what needs to be done first, because I haven't touched Flash in years, mm. and so 
I, I feel like, and I feel like I'm the only one. And that's a little bit weird because everybody keeps talking about, oh, we need this on the web. No, we need that on the web. I'm like, I actually don't know. I'm just doing my little web pages, and I can do the things that I need to do. But suddenly, now that the deprecation has been announced, there was very strong opinions on what needs to happen on the web. And I was sitting there, did I miss something? And oh, no, most. I mean, I think most of it is taken care of uh, between the DOM stuff and between like uh, the new JavaScript stuff. Because did, did you write any ActionScript 3? I wrote some action script. I mean, know that I wrote some code in Flash, but that's all I remember. Like, well, I hadn't, yeah. It had types, it had classes, it okay. had, you could do JSX in it, except it wasn't, it was XML. But, you know, yeah. it was all of these features, like 10 years ago, that we're now seeing creep back into the platform. It's, yeah. And, and it, one of the things it taught me is, is very much like how, with a typing system, yeah. That in an editor you can just sit there and just press tab over and over again, and your code just sort of writes <laughs> just itself. Just magically like, appears. This is great, yeah. And now, see, and now I'm sitting here wondering, is that something I should have done? Like, I feel like, is that something that? Oh, it's too late now. Just <laughs> you, you missed that. You missed that part. I know, <laughs> but it's just like something. There's whenever I talk to some of my colleagues about their, you know, we, we tend to call our past lives the things that we did before we joined the Web Devrel team. There's so many things they did that I did not do. I'm like. Wait, wait, should I have done that? Did I did I Right, but then when I look at the stuff that you do, um, I it makes me wish that I did like computer science instead of flash stuff. Because your your knowledge of sort of lower level computer science yeah. is much better than mine. So I guess and and this kind of leads on to something I want to talk about in, in terms of like um, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Which Which I is something I think in, in our um, Field of work is talked about a lot, or it's brought up a lot. Where like, mm. oh, everybody around me is so good, and I feel like I'm I'm not actually that good. Like as you said, like you say, my low-level knowledge is better than yours. But then again, I basically dropped out of my masters, and I feel like I I failed that as well. So well, so you did a masters, though, right? I didn't. I didn't <laughs> no, no, I masters. didn't. I did my bachelor's. Oh, you did dropped bachelor's. out of a masters. You, okay, but uh, any masters you did is more <laughs> masters than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I think uh, I think I saw you tweeting about this and. I was agreeing with you a lot because you said there's like a certain sense that we talk about it almost too much. Well, I, I feel like it's a lot of, it feels like people are using it as a positive trait. And I used to do the same, like thinking, well, it, it's a sort of form of modesty, right? You're sort yeah. of saying, like, I don't feel good enough to be here, yeah. um, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe in some ways that other people seeing that will go, oh, well, if that person doesn't feel like, they deserve to be here, then, then I, you know, my feelings are maybe yeah. fake as well. Maybe it's this imposter syndrome thing. Um, but the thing that got me thinking is that if you have that mindset and you encounter someone who, like, uh, you know, maybe whether they're new or their skills are just in another area, but yeah. they're struggling with a particular thing, I worry that if, if you kind of really dig into that mindset that you don't belong, when you see someone who you could subjectively sort of say, they know less than I do, then yeah. ergo, they deserve even less to be here, yes. you know, and that. But I that mindset, you can that. put yourself on a spot where you actually will end up not being encouraging for someone who is just learning. Yeah, or, yeah. Right. I, I don't have any. I don't have any answers here. And I, no, I'm, I am not a psychologist. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am like, I. But it's in, like I. So as we talked about, I'm a member of the CSS working group, and I've been mm. spending a lot of time with the intricacies of the spec and all the like. Mostly, what you discuss in these face-to-face -face meetings is the corner cases because they need to be specified how all browsers should behave. The right. obvious things are exactly that; they're obvious. But what about the corner cases? So I kind of pride myself about knowing about these little weird things. So, for example, at the at I/O, 
you gave a talk with a big web quiz where one of the questions was when you specify a max width that is smaller than the min width, right. what happens? And I knew that because oh, that's well one of the then. corner cases. And yet, recently I was designing a website, and all I wanted to do is place three elements in the footer, mm -hmm. one on the left, one on the right, and one in the center. And I couldn't do it. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, with Flexbox, you can. Could you margin zero the first one? Margin, margin left zero, margin, le margin left zero, margin right auto? No, just tell me the answer. Mate. <laughs> so I'm you not can. Try. So the thing is, with I thought easy flexbox is a thing for centering, right? But flexbox, if you have three elements, it distributes the space. So that means it, the space between the elements will be equal. Right. It's not going to be left, right, and center, but the, the amount of space oh, is going to be. So if the items aren't of equal size, it's not going to work. So oh, that is course. one of the occasions where you actually have to either bust out the floats, bust out the floats, or you put the left and the right element. Position them absolutely, and, and then just hope it never. And the other ones, the, the, the middle one is flex boxed in the center. It's, huh. it's surprisingly hard. And I, I, I was just sitting there, writing this website, huh. and I was like, I, that was like ultimate imposter syndrome moment for me. Like I can't even do a three element footer. What is going on? Hmm. I was there to find out that everybody else was struggling with this as well. But it's just like this should be my field of expertise. Right. I, 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 but I mean, I can't come up with an answer now either. I am going to work on that. <laughs> That's going to bug. I wish you hadn't told me that. That's it. I, you know, in the next bit of uh, whatever we talk about next, you'll be like, Jake, you're listening. <laughs> what, mate? No, I'm thinking about centering an element and having two you know, on the other side. But I, I think what's more productive than the uh, imposter syndrome thing, because the, the, the bad part is it comes with, and I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. There was a, a thread that went around on Twitter like a few months ago now, I think. But it was um, people saying, hi, I have this high position of authority or you know this, this yep. job, and I can't do something that, that might be relatively basic to, to some. Uh, and I, I actually I thought that thread had all of the benefit of like, so you know, other people could say, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe I should stop worrying about what I know because. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't have that, and I don't deserve to be <laughs> here. That, sort that's of, the bit. Know. It's not, it shouldn't be up to you to decide if you deserve to be at your workplace. That's what the interview process is for. That's what right. your colleagues right, are right. for. And I'm very grateful that I have colleagues who keep encouraging me and all their other colleagues that everybody is here with a good reason and has the right skill level. And, Absolutely. Um, since I keep learning from basically all my colleagues, everything is fine. I think if, if we just stop deducing ourselves that we don't deserve to be somewhere, we'll be in a better place mentally already. Absolutely. And I think, if, yeah, especially if, if you genuinely don't think you belong, uh, there's definitely an encouragement to kind of close yourself in, to not yeah. be found out, you know, and, and, <laughs> and not talk openly. But I, on that Twitter thread, what, what I said was like, you know, I, go, I use MDN to look up APIs I designed. Oh, you are know? you one of the service worker designers? I, was, I don't know if you know. <laughs> But and someone replied to me and went, uh, does that actually more mean that your APIs are badly designed? And I, no. It means I have the memory of a human being. You know, <laughs> there's like, there's only so much I can remember. And especially if I know I can look it up, I'm like, yeah, that's, do I, because I, I, I have this worry that if I, I have a finite amount of space in my yeah. brain, right? And if I push too much stuff in, something else will fall out. So like, if I, if I learn um, how to do pointers in C, then that might push out how to breathe or something. 
many people have died from just forgetting to breathe in the past. C has killed many people. <laughs> <laughs> Learning C has, uh, yeah, it's destroyed many lives. But like, you know, I, I, if I if I can look it up easily, then well, and I think that remember. that's actually a really good trait. It's something that I always thought about as a kid. Where like you try to to minimize the amount that you actually have to keep in your head and mm. delegate the things out to things you can either look up or you can deduce, which is very mathematical, actually, where you, like, you just remember the axioms, and from there you can go anywhere you want in terms of knowledge if you need yeah. to. It might be hard work sometimes, but it kind of works. At school, they made us do times tables, like, mm. where you would stand up and you yeah. read out like, you know, times tables like, all the way up to 12. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I can all never do it. to 12? Crazy. No, I mean, like, <laughs> the 12 times table, not just the numbers <laughs> 1 to 12. That I could do. <laughs> but most of the times tables, I couldn't, because I was like, well, why should I remember this? Because I can figure it out. I can. I know. Yeah. The, I know the method to multiply two numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, oh, I could even do it in my head at a push, but I don't see and the I need to recite them. Th that's know? nothing. I think that's a weird approach to learning because forcing to learn something by heart just for the sake of learning it by heart doesn't really make you happy. If you really need to learn something by heart, it will happen automatically because you keep have to use it over yeah. and over anyway. Through real usage, not just kind of like. Yeah, because I keep using Flexbox. I know now. I now know all the Flexbox properties. Right. I didn't sit down and memorize them. Hang on. Justify is the horizontal one, if it's a row, and <laughs> and align items is the vertical. Here, here's how I remember it. You know how in in like Word or any kind of text processing, you have the justify buttons: left justified, right justified. Yes. So that basically makes text that flows adjust to the right or to the left. And Flexbox that's has no has wait, flows. And you that's amazing. Right, OK. So that so Justify is the horizontal one. If, by, you're if, in if a row it's a row. One. In, it's, it, it moves the elements in inline direction. That's amazing. And the align is for the actual block. I don't think we need to film anymore. Like, that, that is that's the one, you know, you, that's, do you know what? You can stay. <laughs> I made it. Based, based on that. That's 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 <laughs> it. That is that is a piece of knowledge I have failed to grasp in my entire <laughs> career, and I will remember it now because of that. Because of the word buttons. Because, yeah, but I, when I was when I was at school, I had I, you know, that sort of remembering stuff didn't come naturally to me. But I think I was a weird child as well because they. You still are. Yeah, still a weird child. <laughs> <laughs> well, they because they gave us two ratings as part of the review system, like you would get, okay. uh, you would get a, a, an effort rating. And an attainment rating. This is actually where we had an A for effort. Well, it, well, well. This is the thing. I looked at those that those scores, effort, attainment, and I went, well, the best score you can get is an A for attainment and an E for effort. So I, that's why. I, well, no, because if you've done brilliantly and you haven't even tried, oh, that's better than than doing amazing and trying really hard, right? Because that's so that's why I shot for low effort. <laughs> High attainment. And I, I thought, if I just, yeah, if I keep that effort low, but try and keep the attainment high, so then here's a fun though. fact. I didn't do well when, at school. When, <laughs> when I learned English, I often heard this phrase, A for effort. But I also often heard people spelling their names with like the NATO radio alphabet. They say S for Sierra, N for November. Right, yeah. And yeah. I was like, A for effort. <laughs> and I tried to look up the word effort spelled with an A. And it just didn't compute. <laughs> I like that. I like it's that. now you are with effort. And now you are saying A for attainment and E that for effort. It all makes it sense. It actually works. That's what it should be. So you are blowing my mind. In you this, can stay. In this <laughs> <way>. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I never thought that I would be at a risk. <laughs> I never thought that could be a possibility here. I'm going to start oh, swaying again. Burnt this entire thing. So what else do we want to talk about? What, what else is on our, our restaurant um, menu of ideas and have? discussions? Um, it's actually two-sided. That's good. I know, right? It means it, I, it, I'm saving paper, but it means we have to. It makes a lot um, of noise when we turn I feel like around. since we already talked about CSS in general, I think uh, the two of us are a little bit of unicorns, maybe along with Francois in our team, in that we are working very closely with the spec side of the web. Right. So yes. you're involved in basically the, the mostly the search worker spec, but also the fetch spec fetch and, and HTML. the HTML spec, yep. because it's all intertwined, obviously, in, in one way or the other. I started out at just, you know, more or less randomly attending Houdini meetings and then kind of just swooped into the CSS working group. And from there, I also attended your service worker meetings and just yep. do a little of things. And now I'm very excited because I'm actually proposing my first own API. Ooh, an API to call your own. Maybe. What is it? It's, it's, it's called Tasklets. OK. So the, the process is actually really interesting because you know it's something I never read about or knew about before. So hang on. we've got tasks, microtasks, nanotasks, and tasklets. Wait, nanotasks are a thing? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So the, I, I, the I think they're part of the web components, the uh, custom elements. Oh, you might be right. I don't. I'm, it's definitely a word I've heard before. Well, I mean, every <laughs> word since since trisomorphic is a word. <laughs> it's a word I heard just when I said it before. But oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah they have it. It's definitely um, so the name is basically a mixture of task. Which has nothing to do, I think, with the task in JavaScript. Only and, like in remote toilets. <laughs> no, no, okay. no, Jake. Not everything <laughs> is about toilets. Okay, it's tasks and worklets, right. and worklets are a thing that actually I want to say introduced with Houdini, but I'm not entirely sure if that is actually true. Okay. But they're heavily used that. in Houdini, which is they are a lightweight version of a worker. So they're like like an off-thread context for JavaScript. You can run code, but they have much more constraints in that multiple worklets can share the same thread but still be isolated, only have a very limited API. Like so, oh, so they're in another realm that JavaScript I think would call so, yeah. it, but they're on the same thread. And so far, the worklets have been specified as just a concept, and then different worklets would be specified for very specific jobs. So for example, there's the animation worklet, which right. And its only job is to do animations. And so you have a very limited API exposed to do animations. They do have an event loop, though, right? This is, this is one of the things that I yes. keep getting confused about, well, right? Yes. Well, I think sometimes. It so depends. A worklet cannot have one and just have callbacks that get called into from right. in another thread or something. There's uh, the custom paint worklet, where you can only paint. There is um, the custom layout worklet, which is being worked on. And now tasklets would be the first worklet with actual full-on custom code. So there would be. So if the other tasklets, the worklets, are smaller because they have less API surface, yeah. in a custom one, is there a way you would declare like which APIs you need in that? Because I'm, think, I'm thinking imports. Imagine that. Imagine you could import what you needed. I, so no. <laughs> well, Just there's another good idea I turned down. I Fine. <laughs> no, the, the, the idea is to be pretty much like workers without any synchronous APIs. Because right. worklet threads could be shared among multiple tasklets, we can't be really allow blocking code to happen. OK, so again, they would definitely have a, an event loop. That's These would definitely right. have yeah. an event loop. We would also have post-messaging kind of style communication. But the idea is that 
every native platform, Android, iOS, all these have the constraint that they mostly enforce very strictly that you can only do UI work on the main thread, and every other work has right. to be done off the main thread. And the web doesn't do that. The web really <laughs> does not. And it's been of the biggest problems we've been fighting that people do a lot of work on the main thread, and mm. then you end up with like janky scrolling and pages loading for forever without being interactive and all these problems. And so Ian, who is uh, working on Houdini as well, and, uh, and I have sat down and just like you know, came up with ideas. Ian, Ian Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick. Um, and we came up with tasklets, which is like workers, but which are already there. So the question is, why invent something new when workers are already there to do work? Off you don't even need me here. You're asking your own questions. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Well, the thing is, I ha so when you create a new API or you want to propose one, you post it to the YCG, the Web Incubation Community Group, which yeah. you, I think, are very active in as well, or a little mm. active at least. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Present. And th then you, there you have to justify why you want to propose this API. And justify and is a long, you get, is a long you way. That's horizontal. We've, you get learned, a lot we've of, learned that. A lot of scrutiny. And <laughs> so I have had this discussion with a lot of people on the internet, which is, I guess, why I'm asking the questions myself right away, which you know, is a little bit weird. But uh, I've gotten into that kind of mindset now. So where's that at, then? What's the? So, so, this, so this is an easy way to kind of, you know, because we've seen people create these communication channels with workers yeah. for like calling and then and getting that's a result. Still back. super weird to use. What you really want to do now that we have like modules and classes on the web, you just want to say this class I want to have running on a different thread and still be able to just invoke functions. Right. And that's what testers do. They give you an object on the main thread, but every function you call will actually be run on a different thread, and you can await the result. And, and I've written that code for workers loads of times. Uh, Nolan Lawson has a library to do exactly the same thing. Uh, so you kind of, yeah, I can, I can see the benefits sense, of having right? this in the platform. Um, and so I, we, we wrote an explainer, which is always the start for a new API, where you explain what you want to do with some yep. code examples. They don't have to be 100% correct just to get a discussion started. Post to the YCG. And as far as I can tell, developers liked it. And that's really good. Like, I feel like I'm scratching an itch that developers Tick. have. The browser vendors, however, were very quiet or skeptical. And mm. in a good way, like they justified whether skeptical and there's things that I have to address. But I found it really interesting to see how it affected my ego because I was like, they don't like my API. And it, and, and it actually, like, that was my baby. And now I'm, I have to reevaluate if I actually want to spend more time on it or just abandon it. And it's, it's something that I heard people talk about that if you go into standards work, you have to learn to let your ego go. And I've never noticed it until that very point where. Yeah. I, I, what I find, one of the things I had to really get over uh, in standards work is that a lot of, the, a lot of people, uh, especially the sort of top experts in standards work, are very busy. Um, and they've sort of developed this way to tell you you're wrong in as few words as possible. And yeah. it is sort of getting over that thing is like, you know, especially when I saw them do it to themselves, like they propose an idea and then go, this doesn't work. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh. OK, so you, you do that to your own stuff as well. It's not personal. It's not personal. It is just like, yeah. This the thing is that most people who are in the standards group actually do deeply care about the web and making it oh, yeah. good and consistent. The web has just this history of, or the web just has a lot of history to carry, a lot of baggage, compatibility, and all these things. So there's still things from the 80s that have to be supported and still have to work. And that's where you get the weirdness of the web, but they still have to work. And we have to think about that. And that's why you have these meetings so people can bring in all their knowledge from the different times of the web. And it's sometimes really frustrating to see that your idea just doesn't fit. And so right now, the, the thing is that um, I've not given up yet. 
Okay. So yeah. I've been right working on a polyfill, which I'll probably publish soon, and people can start playing around with a polyfill version, which just uses workers. And it will show the kind of the, the places where a native implementation could be. That's better, what, what right? I'm hoping because um, I feel like if that is a pattern that every website adopts, where you only do UI work on the main thread and start up a separate thread for all the other work, mm. if every site does that, I don't see mobile coping well. But it's something that I have to prove. So we have to like take some measurements. How expensive is it really to put your work in a different thread? How how's the turnaround? The messages going back and forth. How expensive is that? Well, if it's a tasklet in the way you're describing, it could be on the main thread. Is that is that fair to say? It could be, depending. The browser could decide. But the most importantly, if every site uses tasklets, all these tasks could share one thread. Mm -hmm. With my polyfill, every site would add an additional thread, which on a mobile phone. Yeah. That could create memory pressure and might not be a good experience. So who knows? And that's I'm actually really excited about seeing how we we evaluate that and where it's going to end up. Um, let's let's see. It's, it, as always, people have been saying that to me a lot uh, a lot of times. Standards work is the long game. Yeah. It, it's not something you propose and on the next day everybody says hooray and it gets implemented. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so we do these kind of like. You know, we do yearly reviews or quarterly yeah. reviews and stuff like as part of you know working at Google, and with the service worker stuff, I mean, it was depressing because yeah. it was like so many sort of stand-ups and meetings. And I was there going, yeah, I'm s still working on this service worker thing, and everyone's like, well, what still on issue five. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> well, what is it? And I'm like, well, I, I, it's a stand-up. I don't have. It's, it's like it's there's a doc. That it's kind about of it. I think it's. I think it might be a good thing. <laughs> you know? And yeah, and then as, as soon as we were able to launch it, it was like, you know, I was able to walk into meetings and go, there you go, <laughs> that thing. You know, that's what I'd be doing. Now in Safari. It's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> not, it's, it's still null in Safari. In, in web, yeah, okay. It's, it's, in it's, my, it's my API, all me. It's not been a collaborative effort good, by right? like a group of people. Somewhere in the back of your head, your ego was like, yes. A little bit, but, but it's, and, and this is actually, you know, as you get further with a spec, if it actually gets some sort of uh, some sort of traction, yeah, uh, you'll quickly sort of find that you no longer feel ownership of it, and that's certainly yeah. what I do with Service Worker. It's kind mm -hmm. of like it, it it doesn't feel like it has I become self aware. Yeah, essentially, because because well, I can look at large you know, large large parts of it and think, yeah. well, that was someone else, or you know, that was it. and okay, that idea there, that was me, <laughs> but not a lot of the other stuff, and 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 so it, it kind of it. You kind of you get over the ego that way, like it's not yeah. someone trashing your thing anymore. It's just like it's a thing that's there. So yeah, that's my that's my advice. To <laughs> that's my counselling <laughs> session for you. So great. So we will find out. We will find out in future episodes um, how Soma's uh, specification work gets on, unless we never mention it again, which means it was just silently dropped. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to bring it up. Just, uh, it's just like web intents. Oh, oh, we don't talk about web intents. <laughs> They will come back at some point. I'm I mean, we're sure. pretty much on path right yeah. now, right? Yeah, like well, the share, sh API. share share API, share target API. Yeah. So in a way, they have been reincarnated. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one, of, one of my fun memories where I know when I interviewed at Google, they, I think one of my colleagues asked me, that <laughs> the future colleagues asked me in the interview, um, what are you excited about for the future of the web? And I said, web intense. Yeah, I said, well, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. He said, don't say that to Paul Kinlan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because by that point we were already like uh, not gonna happen. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and I, I think actually, then once I started, I think two months later he published a blog post about what happened to Web Intense, and that yes. was official. And that was just, yeah, that was interesting. So in in, in other smaller things that have been going on, uh, I noticed like oh, uh, 
I, I've been working on a portable fetch. Um, it, listeners to this podcast will be bored of hearing about that because that's what I say every week. I was going to say, like, it's, it's one of the, the after now service worker is kind of done. The next thing you can, oh, I'm always working on a portable fetch. Well, when when my patch lands, because I've uh, I've been working on the tests and working on the. Uh, when the spec you say patch, you mean a patch for the spec? For the spec, yes, and also for web platform tests, because now okay. uh, quite well, it sounded like you were saying like a patch for Chrome because no. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not touching. Remember what I said about ever. C earlier? Like yeah. That's not <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, and the the patch for the spec, the git blame, is going to make it look like I have done the whole of fetch after this because like just indented every line once. Do you know what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that has happened a lot because there's a lot of areas of like kind of well these set of steps you know move them in oh, and then as it you know if you add break a new, out of these point above an algorithm you have to indent all the yes and it, so if any of these steps uh, if the fetch terminates then jump out of these steps and then we'll deal with that termination so note to self indent stuff indent yeah that's it perfect it makes you look like you've done loads of work it's, it's excellent but the it, it's amazing because we we did it we wrote it tests first because a, a few yeah. specs now you have to Ooh, write test tests test-driven uh, web development. And it's, it's But difficult. how does it work if like they're all bound to fail, right? Yeah. So <laughs> right. I, I wrote a really terrible abortable fetch polyfill sort of on all top right. of XHR and then stubbed out all of the objects just to get me through some of the tests a little bit. Like, okay. but, uh, but that was actually really useful because that was enough for me to see silly mistakes I was making. Okay. But then, yeah, when I take it out, th th there might still be silly mistakes in the test. And I think this is actually a, a known pro problem with the web platform tests, writing them up front. By the time the implementers come around, they find like loads of mistakes in the test because there's yeah. no way to test the tests, you know. <laughs> um, but it's I think it's a really good way of doing it, and it's and it's sort of shown uh, kind of bits of the, the the API that could be improved just by sort of writing the tests. But also uh, Microsoft, because I, I created a bug to say, hey, we're working on this now. We've got tests working on the spec. That's a work in progress. Mm. And just from the tests, they have implemented. That's amazing. Oh, it's great to see. And I mean, they're going to have to do another pass on it when we. Because yeah. as I as I'm writing the spec, I'm like, oh, this I've noticed that this point now becomes after this point or something. Yeah. So like uh, for instance, if if you you make a request that has already aborted, it exits just straight away. Okay. But if you've provided sort of bad parameters, like an invalid URL, that error comes first, and it's like, oh well, now I see that I have to write a test for that. Like to these are the intricacies of spec work where you <sighs> have to specify all these steps manually and. Spell them out, but the tests have been a really good way of doing it. So I, I would say if they, they um, we'll put a link to it. But web platform tests, if you want, if you find a, a, a browser bug, um, have a look for the web platform test for it. And if there isn't one, that's kind of a fun that's thing to write. Good work. So recently, I, I actually like a little bit made me a little bit proud. Is I, I caused the spec change, my first spec change to Shadow DOM, Ooh. because I, I just found a, I, they, there's a an event that is called slot change whenever an, an element yes. gets slotted into a slot inside the shadow DOM. And that's so when you we create a custom element, the, the stuff you just put in, the stuff like the, the user of the element yeah. puts inside that goes into those slots in the shadow exactly. DOM. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the behavior was a little bit weird because the slot change event would fire when the element was created by the parser, but not when it got upgraded later. So it depended on oh. if your element came before your JavaScript or after your JavaScript. And ideally, you do not want a difference between those two codes. No, you want to have yeah. this event every time, because you want to basically use it for initialization as well. Like If the element gets slotted in there for the very first time, you want to know about it and set it up, whatever you need to do. And the spec actually wasn't clear about it. So I adjusted the tests, and I PR'd them in, and mm -hmm. I was super impressed 
with the web platform tests because they're. Did, did you write web platform tests? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? Oh, excellent. And, and it was so easy to run locally, which I did not expect because usually these systems are like huge and complex, mm -hmm. and you need like a personal introduction to get started. For, that's how I feel about our source code for Chrome, for example, right. because I have no idea how to even find out where how was Flex implemented. Even if I wanted to know, I couldn't find out. Yeah. And the web platform test, you literally you download them, you start a Python script, and you can run all your scripts. And, as, and the only rough edges for it really is like the, the assertion library is not one that's anywhere else. They built their own because yeah. it was kind of it was created before a lot of the like Mocha that's and fine. Like, Mocha like, and I, 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 didn't find any like extensive documentation on the asserts, but I could just read other tests and just copy paste. The, yeah, there is a, there is a doc for it, and it's, it is difficult to, but uh, the, to find. But at least how to get it running is super well documented in the README. Yeah. And so um, I found it really interesting yeah. just to see that we have these excessive amounts of tests, both how that layouting is correct, where we apparently compare screenshots, and that some squares must be green and some squares must be red. And all. it's it's very, oh, yeah. very impressive. Right. So, yeah, that's I it. think and until the next one, which which will be at some point. We don't do this very regularly. I've, I mean, we're planning to, but I think you have always been planning to do it more regularly, and it just never yeah. worked. There are podcasts that kind of started the same time that we started doing two or three that are like now at like episode 150, and I'm like, good, we're on nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Never mind. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I, I guess if, if people still want to hear the next one, we can we'll no, we'll, no, no, I mean, we'll keep doing these even if no one's listening. <laughs> it's just, I just I because it's fun. I enjoy I it's, it. It's work time. Yeah, it's work time. We, yeah. we get some drinks. We get cool. to you know, see something else. That's so, nice. Until next time, see you then. Bye. I was actually nervous about this because you <laughs> asked me to come on, and then I heard the last episode. You're like, uh, there's all these criteria for the person that has to be on this podcast. I don't know yet. You're still, this is still the test Under phase. evaluation. This is still, this is still the interview. Um, oh, boy. OK. And I something happened to me recently, um, and I thought I would put you through the same situation and see how oh God. you react in a kind of choose your own adventure situation. Um, <laughs> And, and see if it's yeah, see okay, if we're compatible people. Okay. This sounds fun, but like it will go horribly wrong for me. What are you aiming for? For me reacting the same or completely different, so we complement each other in the views that we reflect in this podcast. Well, because it's a kind of choose your own adventure style story. If you veer too far from what I actually did, I'm going to run out of story quite quickly. It's a bit like Assassin's Creed, like that. You die <laughs> if you wander too much off the historical path. You know. I see. And we'll just stop the podcast right away and say, no, nope, next. We'll get Got someone it. else in. OK. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah, OK. Hit me. You're getting off a train, right? OK. From Hayward's Heath to St Pancras, mm -hmm. which is yes, the train I get. Um, uh, Does it go through Clapham Junction? Um, yes. Doesn't OK. No. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Mm, okay. So that's good. good question. Good question, by the <laughs> way. Uh, that'll definitely add plus one point. Definitely adds to the the story. Um, you get off the train, and you notice wet pants, like the ones that I'm wearing. Yes, no, not not, not wet pants. <laughs> on the platform. A set of wet pants. No, no, the ones the ones you're wearing are wet. Like, and I'm not just talking a little bit wet. I'm talking full 
soaked through? Like accident soaked through or just you sat in a puddle kind of without noticing? Well, so here's the thing. I, I definitely, when I sat on the chair, thought, is this, is this chair wet? And I, I, test, I tested it and went, and so I conducted a bad piece of science there uh, yeah. because it turned out like very much, it must have been very uh, deep within the seat, but there. And so over the course of my one that and a half thought, hour commute. That thought is so repulsive because it's like the spongy material, right? And so you just figure like if it was so like right in there, soak it for like a couple of weeks, build up a nice mold. Yeah, and well, here's, and here's the thing, because I, I ran for the train in the morning when I, when I sat down and obviously you know, throughout the journey, I think I just thought I was a bit sweaty. So there you go. There's your scenario. What do you do? Well, I guess the train already departed, didn't it? I mean, the train has already departed. Well, what, why? What would you do? Go and bring out the pants back into the seat? I mean, no, wait, if not you're not that far from home, you can just go back, uh, get a new pair. I am far from home because, uh, like I say, my commute is. I'm, I'm a two-hour door-to-door commute. It's a long time, and I am now at work. Oh, you're at work. Well, that's St Pancras. Which is pretty much at work. That's yeah, next door. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> Probably give it a smell. Yes, give it a smell. <laughs> and that's what I did. Uh, what's your method of giving it a smell here in this situation? I, I'm I'm very wary of like unknown liquids or substances in general. Like mm. I feel like smelling it can't be too bad, but I don't want to taste like, it. Get, get too yeah no okay. no no. <laughs> You know, fry it a little bit and <laughs> see if it still tastes good. I don't know. No, like just waft some air and see, and see if there's, you know, okay, so a familiar I, smell. I went for the, I, I guess I was kind of a little bit, oh, what's going on? Mm. So I, you know, I sort of squeezed my, my pants with my hand <laughs> and then smelled my hand. This is going downhill so fast. <laughs> and the results maybe smelled a bit like tea. Now, I don't drink tea. So again, my science might be off. So my first thought was like, because you gave it a check when you sat down, mm -hmm. that you might have something like a little, you know, tetra pack drink packet in your back pocket, sat down, squashed no. it, and so only your pants would be wet, but the seat would be dry. No, no, <laughs> no such, no such science. Uh, and well, well, the conclusion I drew from this is maybe, maybe it is tea, maybe it is tea, or maybe. It's from someone who drinks a lot of tea. But even then, like from my experience, not mm. that I have conducted excessive amounts of experiments here, but you, even if you drink a lot of tea, the end product wouldn't Doesn't smell, smell like tea. Well, I don't know. See, I didn't know this. Okay. The only thing I, that I think affects the smell would be asparagus. Asparagus. I don't think it smelled of asparagus, but I might be one of the people who can't smell. That's true. Some Sparks. people can't smell it. It's just yeah. genetic, right? So, so I guess my, that sounds like you said on tea, not on someone's end product. Affluent. Yeah. It's, and, that, and so that's your result. Happy with that. Job done. <sighs> just carry on your To day. be fair, I would still be wary about wearing those trousers for the rest of the day. So I'd probably see if I could borrow like a pair of sweatpants or something from... Oh, so you just go up to a colleague and say, yeah. excuse me, can I borrow your pants because someone else just wet myself? Well, no. I mean, some people go to like the gym every now and then and have like a pair of shorts at least lying on can there. I, can I borrow your yeah, sweaty gym sure. shorts because yeah, why not? Or, your, or your I mean, guaranteed sweat 
on upon I would my assume skin is better. Or you go across the street and buy one. You could also do buy that. One. That was that is not the first time I've been given that advice because I didn't. I just sat through the day and just and it was horrible. Not knowing what it actually was, just not assuming that you mm, thinking mm. someone else might have might have wet myself and and it, yeah and, uh, and then every two-hour commute back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> where I was able to, you know, drench another seat. No, by that time, things were very much dry, but I was like... Were they sticky? No. Well, no. That's, that's a big plus, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I am drawing from this that I think we are... Sufficiently <laughs> compatible. <laughs> we, we would both sit through the day... No, I would have definitely found another pair of something to wear. Okay. At, or bought something, but I would have done similar things you know, of determining what it was that I sat in. I'll take 50%. I'll take yeah, 50% that's, I mean, story. if we were completely on the same page, this would not be an interesting podcast. Mm, of, of course, of course. Right? We, need, we need some opposing views. Yeah.